Welcome to Hospitality Forward, a podcast where hospitality and travel professionals learn how to earn the media spotlight. My name is Hana Lee. I am president of Hana Lee Communications, an award-winning public relations agency in New York City. And I'm Michael Ann Stendig, editor in chief at Hana Lee Communications, and a food and beverage writer. As a journalist myself and Hannah as a PR professional, we understand the power of media coverage and its impact on someone's career and business. That's why we launched our podcast to help our industry rebuild and rebound by interviewing top journalists who share their insights and tips for gaining the media's attention. In this episode, we're delighted to chat with Christopher Cameron the real estate and travel editor at the New York Post. Chris is an award-winning journalist with nearly a decade of newsroom experience. He's written for publications that include The Wall Street Journal, Architectural Digest, The New York Observer, and The Real Deal. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining us. So great to see you. Hi, guys. Good to be here. So, Chris, The New York Post is the oldest continuously published newspaper in the U.S., and was actually founded by Alexander Hamilton in 1801. How would you say it's evolved over the years, especially during the pandemic? I'd say during uh, the pandemic, we very fortunately kept doing what I think we do best, which is telling really strong New York stories. Uh, obviously, you know, we lost great people during that time, and uh, everybody is pulling double or even triple duty sometimes. Um, you know, I contribute to other sections very frequently. Other people contribute to my sections. I help people edit. We're all having to sort of carry extra weight. But um, I think that it's actually been a really good success story. We've had incredible impact over the last year and better numbers than ever. So for our listeners, uh, can you explain what makes a New York Post story a New York Post story? Absolutely. In fact, what I love about that question is that every New Yorker intuitively knows the answer to it because the New York Post has such a strong voice. Um, but a New York Post story is a big headline. It gets straight to the point and it has a lot of humor. It also tells the stories of New Yorkers. You know, we're not an industry publication. We're, uh, we're a local news publication with national impact. And I think that what makes our stories stand out is just that that punch, that eyebrow-raising element. Yeah, it definitely gets your attention. So would you say the, uh, the Post is planning more hospitality and travel coverage moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think that we have to. So much is changing, and the changes in hospitality are changing the ways New Yorkers live. And um, I think that those are essential stories that we have to be writing features about, especially. We lost our dedicated tra weekly travel section some years ago uh, for you know, business reasons, essentially. But um, we have been getting more and more special sections that are these beautiful, large, dedicated sections just for travel and covering hotels. Um, and in our fe weekly features pages, we are dedicating a lot of space to the bar industry because it's changing faster than it's ever changed, maybe. Mm -hmm. It has. It has. And we appreciate, you know, you guys doing uh, such a great work for our industry and really spotlighting people and the businesses that 
deserve the spotlight. And they need it now more than ever, for sure. They definitely do. So the New York Post is well regarded in both print and online. So what makes a story better for print versus online and vice versa? So is there an overlap? I mean, there's, of course, an overlap. Everything that runs in print runs online. But what is in print is often um, a more curated version of what is online. Uh, those stories tend to be more reported, uh, a little more in-depth, um, and they're a little more contextual um, in terms of what else is running in the paper that day. Because, you know, we have two editions a day, and we're thinking about, you know, how does this story fit in with everything else we've got right now? And, you know, for me, like, I have three pages a week that I need to fill every single week. And I'm planning those stories, you know, maybe a week in advance and uh, making sure that everything sort of lives together harmoniously and that the reporting is really good. There's also a visual element to print, right? We're a picture paper. The pictures often tell the stories. The photography is mostly photography we're shooting. Um, Online, we are mostly using art provided by our sources or, um, you know, what we call handout art. And what I tell people when they're pitching me an online story is, why are we telling this story now? Why? What's the reason? What's the reason to be telling this story versus another story? I could, if New York City is as good of a city as I like to imagine that it is, I like to think that everything is happening at all times. There's nothing that's not happening. And why am I telling this one particular story? And that can be for a lot of different reasons, but it definitely needs to have impact. It needs to speak to broader culture. It needs to be advancing a narrative that is happening right now. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned you write three pages a week. So where do you find the inspiration for different stories? Yeah, well, I talk to a lot of different people. (laughs) And the more people you talk to, the better. But, you know, I, I get pitched. I'm, you know, I'm a desk editor. I talk to freelancers, I talk to sources, I talk to industry insiders. And I'm looking for stories that are going to, you know, really make people uh, excited and surprised and get people talking. We call them talkers, you know, Um, and that's really what I want to see in the paper. That's what I would fill the paper with stories that are going to make New York City talk the next day. Um, and I get, I get those from uh, every direction I can get them from. And it, it's a lot of digging actually. Um, you know, I would say I only take one in a hundred pitches for the paper. Wow. So you've been a writer for many years now covering a variety of topics, especially real estate and travel. So how has your perspective evolved on how you approach a story? Um, the biggest change for me happened. I mean, I, I was, I spent the first seven years of my career as a features reporter. And I, I, did, I did some news early on. I was a news reporter when I was a cub, I guess. But I um, really started to look at things differently when I became an editor primarily, mostly because you start to see the big picture of stories. You know, you start to think about how does this story fit in with all of the other coverage? How does this story advance a narrative? How does this story buck expectations? 
I used to have these little babies that were my, my stories that I had dug up, my little scoops, you know, that I, I had gotten and was delivering to an editor proudly. And I used to be so annoyed when I would get rejected. It's <laughs> well, very um, personal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, sitting on the other side of the desk, I start <laughs> I'm having, suddenly and reluctantly having sympathy with those. Oh, <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> As you know, um, lots of restaurants and bars and hotels are reopening along with the brand new openings in New York City, which is so exciting. And we are so happy for our industry. And that you have a deep expertise in real estate, as Michael mentioned uh, just now. So in your opinion, how is the real estate market impacting our hospitality industry? And what does the future look like? You know, I'm so impressed that anyone's still even hanging on. It's actually such a, a, a positive story uh, in the end. But, you know, when I when the pandemic first hit, I was ha- hearing from um, from landlords, from attorneys, from tenants, all telling me, you know, oh, you know, no one's budging on my rent. I can't pay rent and no one's budging. I'm going to go underwater. I don't know what to do. I was hearing from attorneys telling me that, you know, uh, commercial landlords getting together in a room and saying, you know, we're not going to budge. We're, we're, we're going to hold tight to these rents. I think that's fully turned around at this point. I'm hearing from uh from bar owners, from hoteliers, from uh, tenants of all sorts, that they're getting incredible discounts finally. And I'm hoping that that means the whole industry is going to flower, that we're going to see a lot of new openings, that we're going to see a lot of really um, creative concepts uh, popping up in New York soon. Because I think people just realize that this empty space that we've seen for so long isn't good for anybody it's not sustainable from a real estate perspective it's a tough market no one's you know hugging each other and patting each other on the back it's it's a bit cutthroat there are sharks but um this is a way for everybody to make a dollar and you recently wrote a story on the reopening of Bemelman's Bar at the Carlisle Hotel. Which is one of our favorite local spots as well. Absolutely. And you quoted one of the patrons as saying, right now, people don't want anything new. They want what they had. And do you think that sums up the tenor of the times for the foreseeable future? Absolutely. I was desperate to be in that bar again. <laughs> and I made sure I was there on opening night. That it's just one of those nostalgic New York institutions that we've all missed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I when I first moved to New York, going to Bellman's, going to the King Cole Bar at the St. Regis, going to the Palm Court, going to the 21 Club, which fingers crossed will be reopening in a couple of years, uh, the rumor mill tells me. But, um, you know, those places just, they defined what New York was for me. And I was so excited to be back. I think that everybody in the city is desperate for those things to be back to you know live like iconic new york moments in iconic new york bars um at the same time i think new yorkers are fickle <laughs> and i think that you know once everything is truly open again which is happening very very rapidly right now that they'll be craving novelty in a heartbeat and that they're going to be looking for the newest the latest the coolest That's how it works. As usual. Exactly. As you know, um, there are a lot of experts in our industry, like chefs, bartenders, and sommeliers, and hoteliers, and many others. So in the coming months, are there any specific kinds of experts 
that you are looking to feature? I use experts as a means to tell stories about regular people well. We're not an industry publication, like I said. We tell stories about New Yorkers. We want to see how what real New Yorkers are really doing. You know, X group of people are doing Y. And it, you know, that should be something that surprises or entertains or delights or shocks or horrifies you. And I use people like chefs, sommeliers to contextualize that, to tell me what they see their customers doing. And the best thing somebody in the industry can do for me is tell me what they see their customers doing. I'm dying for stories about real people. I want to know about the guy who comes and sits at your bar every day. And what does he order? Has he been sitting there for 25 years ordering the same thing? I I want stories about your customers. And I want you to tell me them. You'll be in the story because you're telling me about it. Um, I don't do a lot of just pure profiles unless you're, you know, an honest to God celebrity. But, you know, short of that, you can get a lot of ink out of me by sharing what you're seeing every day and not being afraid to tell your own story and having a lot of voice about it. It's very refreshing. So how, what would you say is your criteria for profiling people when, when you do do the profiles? If I'm going to profile someone who isn't a celebrity, it's somebody who's a real mover and shaker, who's somebody who is doing something that will redefine the city in a certain way that will change even a part of the city. I mean, it can be pretty niche. I mean, someone who is changing the nightlife scene in, you know, the Lower East Side or somebody who took a minor cocktail and put it on the stage. You know, somebody who's who's ahead of the curve and really setting a trend. If you're setting a trend, I want to know about it. You should tell me about it and tell me you know, how you achieved that, what you did, and who's and, and who are the New Yorkers that are buying into that? And why are they buying into it? Not following the trend, but... <laughs> Forcing the trend. The best trend story is the one that bucks expectations. I get so, so many trend stories. You know, this is opening here. This is happening there. This is this. But really, I want to know about the Upper East Siders who are going for a drink in East New York. I want to know about how the Midori's Sprite uh, replaced the martini at an Upper East Side hotel bar. You know, that would be a quite interesting that would, story. That would be a headline, <laughs> for sure. Exactly. And, you know, that, that's a better story, isn't it? So in addition to profiles, what other kinds of stories are you going to be working on in the coming months that our listeners can be a part of? Mm. Well, I am inundated with reopening and opening stories. It's more than I can keep up with. I honestly would love to cover a lot of these in a more in-depth way, but I've I just don't have the space, you know, a newspaper is a finite object. And I would love to see more um, trend stories that go beyond, you know, this is reopening, this is back. And that looks at the cause and effect of those reopenings. I want to see, you know, the Carlisle is back. What what effect is that having on the neighborhood? Um, What's the down the line? Uh, what are the ripples that that's setting off? And those are the stories I'm really looking for. 
because there's so much of the same, so much reopening. Everyone's reopening in New York City at the exact same time. And what I'm looking for is what's going on down the river. Fascinating. So now let's talk about travel. Mm. So when you are ready to travel overseas again yeah. with your lovely wife, Siobhan, which country will you visit first and why? Well, I'm already planning a trip in the very near future. Um, I am a classic hotel junkie. Um, and, I, and I love nothing more than visiting a hotel that I've read about in books my entire life. And so I think we're going to head to Jamaica. Um, yes. We're going to uh, go on a little bit of a road trip. And I'm going to visit Round Hill, Jamaica Inn, Goldeneye, check out some of, the, some of the hotels that I've always enjoyed reading about the most, but have never actually gotten to visit. Um, and that, that actually probably defines a lot of the way I travel as trying to find those mythical, iconic, beautiful places that everybody else wishes they were inside at that moment. We are the same way. We'd, we'd love to tag along. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, maybe you can. Join me. So we, we can't not speak about social media, given its importance. So how has it changed the way you do your job? And do you ever use it to come up with story ideas or find sources? Yeah, absolutely. I have to admit that I sort of have an antipathy towards social media personally, <laughs> but I do have an Instagram account that I use to find stories left and right. I have a few strategies. I look for um, the people I want to write about and if they're not on social media themselves. I often follow their friends. <laughs> In fact, the best way to find out what the super rich are doing is to follow the wives of billionaires. Um, the, the husbands don't post, but their wives do. And you know if they're, you know, in Saint-Tropez or eating soup uptown. Uh, that's <laughs> um, and it often turns into great stories. Um, I think the shining example of how someone in the hospitality industry uses social media well is Keith McNally, the owner of Balthazar, who has been posting up a storm lately and the press can't get enough of it. I know we can't. What, what do you think it is? I think it's a mix of things. He tells a story about Balthazar. He posts um, his customers. He gives every customer a card and lets them sort of write about their experience. And he posts those like crazy. He also overshares. I mean, we love that, right? <laughs> and he's not afraid to get a little negative and take his gloves off, which I find so refreshing. I think that a lot of people are scared to do anything negative ever, but it gets you just more publicity oftentimes. Uh, his feud with uh, Graydon Carter is the best example where he just banned Graydon Carter from his restaurants after uh, reserving a table for 12 and being a no-show. I mean, that that's a story made for tabloids, made for headlines. And he's doing such a good job of getting an insane amount of press for, frankly, one restaurant in Soho that we would have covered one time and forgotten about. But yeah, I, I think that everyone should have um, a strong voice and personality on Instagram that doesn't feel overly corporate or overly professional, that tells a story about what they're doing that features their customers um, and that highlights you know what makes them special or different from every other bar hotel what have you in the city that's right yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a great branding tool so what are the top things that our listeners should keep in mind when pitching you the biggest thing that i tell freelancers and 
uh, publicists and anyone else who calls me is why should I be telling a story now? I said this earlier, but that's such an important question that people forget about. They think that, you know, just because they have this thing they're pushing at this very moment, you know, that I might be interested in writing about it. But there are so many good stories to tell. I need to know why I should be telling this story at this moment. What's the time hook? Why does it, you know, why does it matter at this second? How does it fit in to culture? How does it fit in to what's happening in New York City? And how does it reflect what people are doing right now uh, in the city? The second thing I would say is to think a little bit um, like a storyteller. I mean, think about who your heroes and villains are. What, what's the story you're trying to tell? and What's the strongest angle for that story? Uh, I mean, that's really my job, and I'm not asking you to do my job. But thinking like a writer won't hurt anything. <laughs> and I would say the, the last thing is, uh, you know, to have a sense of humor. Um, I get so, so many ultra-professional emails every single day, and there's nothing wrong with that. I pay attention to the ones that make me laugh, to the ones that are able to speak the way they really speak. I mean, that will get you so far in this business. That's an important tip. Michael, you've got to help me on that part. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So we, we call our podcast Hospitality Forward because we truly believe in the future of our industry. And we're so excited to see things moving in the right direction faster than we expected. So could you tell us if there's anyone or any organization that you think is doing really great work and is moving hospitality forward? You know, I might um, stay as neutral as the Swiss on naming any one individual <laughs> or organization. But what I would say is that I'd like to congratulate the entire industry in New York City for making the most sweeping um, innovation that we've seen in hundreds of years, which is getting bars out onto the street. Mm -hmm. And that has radically changed the lives of New Yorkers. It's radically changed the way I live and everyone else. And it's wonderful. It's pleasant. It adds a new vibrancy to the city. And that is, that's hospitality forward. That's so much nicer than being cramped up in a, a little room. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So before we go, what's the best way for our listeners to contact you to pitch their stories? Call me. My number is 615-830-0873. Amazing. You're sharing your phone number. Amazing. Yeah. I, no, I would love for you to call me, text me, tell me what's going on. I don't. I answer every single phone call I get, even horrible tele, telemarketer calls. Um, <laughs> but no, wow. I, I think that's part of the job. I want to talk to the most people I possibly can. Because um, that's going to lead to the best stories. And I want to put the best stories on the page. And what about your email address? Oh, ccameron at nypost.com. I read as many emails. I don't, I'm better at answering the phone than I am getting to every email. I get a lot. Um, but I do, I do open everything. And if it's relevant, I'll get back to you. But the phone call first and then email. Yeah. I mean, if I start getting a million phone calls from, <laughs> People that, uh, you know, don't really know what they want to say to me. I might change my mind on this. But the most of the time, the people who call me are smart and interesting. And even and just having that conversation 
and helping somebody. I don't mind helping someone figure out what their angle is if I have the time. Um, I, I enjoy making connections, and the more people you know, the better. And the phone is the warmest way to do that. Great. All right. It's been great talking with you, Chris. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, thanks so much, guys. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, it was lovely. Great chatting with you guys. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Insightful, witty, and wise. These words nicely sum up Chris. Now that you know what Chris is looking for, please feel free to reach out to him with your story ideas. And don't forget to mention that you heard him on our podcast. We have a lot of exciting media guests in the pipeline as well. So please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Please leave a review and tell your friends and colleagues who you think would benefit from the tips our journalist friends share on our show. See you next week. Until then, join us as we move hospitality forward together.